you have your Bibles, you can open it to Matthew chapter 6. Today I'm going to be starting uh, kind of a two-part series before the Christmas service and talking about some essentials and some foundational things that are part of our life as, as followers of Jesus. We finished our series in Romans. We still have another chapter on Thursday that we're going to conclude the book with. But I wanted to talk about praying today. Um, you know, it, it's an amazing thing that we think of the times and things that we could ask Jesus something. If we could ask Jesus, Jesus, can you show me how to do this? Or, or can you teach me how to do this? And in Luke's gospel, chapter 11, the disciples kind of were whining. And, and they said, John's disciples taught them how to pray. And they, asked, they said, Lord, can you teach us to pray? And what we have in Luke's gospel and a more extensive uh, version here in Matthew's gospel is actually Jesus teaching us how to pray. And, and I love what Jesus does because he, he doesn't go into a place where he starts telling us a list of things that we are to do. And I say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, well, first you need to get up at 545. And then you need to face the east. And then in the evening you have to face the west. And you have to get on your knees. And you need to be there for at least 20 minutes, five times a day. And you need to say these things. He, he doesn't do that. And I'm so glad because I, I don't get up at 5.45, that's usually when I'm going to bed. But he does give us some things and instructions. And in verse 7, he says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil. Jesus brings us into a narrative, a dialogue that is to take place between us and God. He doesn't give us a list of things to follow, but he brings us into a conversation with God and shows us what this conversation is to entail, what this dialogue is to be about, and how it is to transform us. Do you remember when you learned how to pray? Do you remember as a kid what it was? Maybe it was a certain prayer you prayed all the time. We used to gather around the dinner table, and we used to pray. And I forget, I was probably 10 years old or so, when, or maybe 8, somewhere around there, when we would start saying this prayer. And I still remember it was, bless this food, O Lord, for which we're about to receive, and bless this happy home. Amen. It didn't matter if the home was happy or not. We, we prayed that. 
fact, sometimes it was very unhappy. We're going to pray, bam, and slam on the door. Shut up, close your eyes. Okay, bless this food, O Lord, for we're about to receive and bless this happy home. Amen. Okay, you know. And there was no connection, really, to me. Prayer was just a series of things that I heard. You know, well, that's what we, we hear. I, I believed in God out there somewhere, but I really didn't know too much about him. And then our parents sent us to Catholic camp. Camp Don Bosco, one of my friends got hepatitis there. I remember that. <laughs> he also got in a fight, and it was kind of like they were, we were on vacation for two weeks, and we're like, where are we? You know, How do we get home? How do we leave this place? But we went to this camp, and they went through these, these prayers, and I was intrigued by, by it. Actually, I left and wanted to become a saint, and my... They got all the people bowed down to them and everything. It was a cool gig. Um, anyway, no, my motives were better than that. Uh, but I remember listening to these things, and, and I remember, you know, they said the Hail Mary, full of grace. I don't remember a whole lot after that, but they went through that one. And then I remember they said the Our Father, and then they went into confession. I, and I was intrigued. I wanted to know what happens in there. You know, what do you do when you go into this place? Well, you confess your sins. I'm like, really? What what do you say? Well, you say, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And then, you know, the priest will tell you some things, and I wanted to do it. So I went in there, and all I could think of was, okay, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. They told me how to say that. And then he goes, what are your sins, my son? I was like, I don't know. I can't think of any right now. You know, I think things are going pretty good. And that wasn't the answer he wanted to hear, I don't think, because he, he... gave me some things I had to do anyway. It's like, but I said I was good. Why do I get homework? You know, I, I thought I did this right. And my idea of prayer was just very detached from God. It was things that you did, but it really wasn't a communication that you had. And the first thing that we see that Jesus does when he brings us into this how we should pray, as he says, our Father in heaven. He brings us into a relationship with God. And if prayer is going to have a foundation, this is the foundation. It is a relationship with God. Now, I know we live in a time where fathers don't have a good reputation. And some people get all bent out, you know, because of gender. Why does it say fathers? Do you have anything against mothers? I don't think that was Jesus' intention, was to diss mothers. What he was trying to do was bring us into this understanding. And I think fathers probably had a more important role maybe than they do now. I mean, if you have a mother and father in your family now, you are an exception. Because that's not the case most of the time. But the idea of having a father is having basically someone who who is responsible for you, someone you're talking about, your creator, someone who talks about as your protector, the one who provides for you, someone who gives you their name. The idea of a father was a good thing. It was someone that you were connected to, that you belonged with. And when he talks about how we should pray, 
It starts with this relationship. It starts with that foundation. It's not about the things that you do. It's not about how you do things. It's about who you talk to. And you see, we would not get an understanding of the relationship being so important if we just got our idea of what it means to pray by watching Christian television, for example. You would think all you have to do is say the right things, believe the right things, repeat or confess these things, and it belongs to you. And the idea of prayer today, even in Christendom, has become like the Jesus genie. You do this, you say this, and you get this. And you see, if you want to pray so that you can get God to do what you want, you will never know the power of prayer. If you're praying just to get something, then you've missed the foundation of what prayer is about. If you want to pray or your prayers to be powerful, then what you need to do is make knowing God your highest value. If you want prayer to be something powerful in your life, then your relationship with God needs to be the most important thing. I remember one time working at a church and this gentleman came in and he wanted to talk to a pastor and so I was there and he sat in and I was talking with him and he started telling me of the things that were happening in his life and that he wanted and you know it was had to do with a relationship with this lady and it had to do with the job and these things and he wanted to know and get my blessing on these things and I was basically telling him well I, I don't know what what you want me to do exactly. He goes, well, I want you to pray that God would give me these things. And I, I told him, I don't know that God wants you to have those things. I, I, I don't know. I'm not God. I can't speak for you. And he says, well, listen, I'm, I'm going to put some money into the offering, and I want you to pray. And I was like, well, you can put the money in the offering, and, and I'll pray, but that's not what this is about. And, and he had this idea that, you know, he could come to a pastor, put the money in, and I'd give him a good word for God, and God would, you know, okay, I'm going to give you this because you put some money in the box. And it's just not that way. But there is a mentality that is so consumed with how can I get what I want, and it totally bypasses the fact that we are talking to our Father. I know those of you who have been parents, who have kids, you know what it's like when your kids want stuff. And they just want the things. And you're irrelevant. You know, you're just the one who gives me what I want, you know. And you, you've got this turmoil. It's like, hey, I don't think I like this. You know, I get you the Nintendo, I get you the little toys, and all you think about is, what am I going to get, what am I going to get? And so you try and instill to your, your kids, say thank you, you know, be, be courteous, don't just be about the stuff, show that you really care. And, you know, when they're little, that's just how it is. And as they get older, that would be a tragedy if all they cared about was the stuff and they didn't connect to the people. But that's what prayer becomes so many times. It's just about what can I get 
and we've missed the relationship, the responsibility of having that relationship. And for some of you here, that means just opening up your life and trusting God in a way that you never have perhaps before. Where it's never been about your relationship. You, you've, you've said things and you've talked about the things that you want or what you want God to do, but it's never been about a relationship. You've never recognized that what he wants to start out with is that he is your father. He wants the relationship before you ask of him. That that is essential that it is foundational. It doesn't matter how many times you repeat the same thing over and over. That's what he said in verse 7. The babblings, the, the vain repetition, it says. It's not about the words. It starts with the relationship. And, and you have to have this relationship. And, and one of the ways that you can tell that you have this relationship with God is that your prayers actually are answered. There's a man named George Mueller. He ran an orphanage in the 1800s in London. And it was amazing how many children he took care of and never asked for money. And it seems like every time George Mueller prayed, it was a yes. Don't you want that kind of prayer? I want it to be, you know, we've all heard, you know, God answers our prayers, sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes later. You know, and I like the idea of God answering our prayer, but let's face it, we all want the yes. We don't want the no, and, and later, if it keeps going later, eventually it means dead, okay? I mean, it's like, I, I need it now. This is what I, I want my prayers to be something that God says yes to. Well, To get this understanding of the prayers that God says yes to, you have to have the relationship with God that God is willing to say yes to. And it's not then about you. And he goes on next and he talks about God's name being holy. He says, holy is your name. Hallowed be thy name. We want God to care about us. But a lot of times we don't want him to get into our business. I want God to listen to me when I ask of things, but I don't want God to require things back of me. And see, and you enter into this relationship with God, there's something you need to understand about him. He is holy. And that holiness is something that is to affect you. It is to have an effect on your life. He created us to express what is good and what is true. God puts moral implications on our lives because of who he is. He's holy. And so a lot of times we want to choose the agenda. We want to tell God what we want, what we want to do, and we don't allow who he is to influence what we ask. 
and it's a one-sided conversation. I'm telling you, God, what I want, and he doesn't get to speak back into my life because maybe he would want things that are more important than what I'm thinking, things that really matter to me. You know, I pray, God, I want you to give me a promotion. I want you to give me a raise. And God is saying, well, really, I want to talk about your greed. I want to talk about how you covet things too much. God, I, I, want, I want that girl to marry me. I want to go out with her. Well, really, first I want, to, I want to talk about your lust. I want to deal with this area of your life. God, I, I want you to heal me. What can be wrong with healing me? And God says, well, you know, I really want to talk about your pride and deal with your pride, which he did with Paul when he prayed three times, Lord, take this away from me. And God said, you know, my grace is enough for you. And Paul said, because of the abundance of this revelation, lest I would be puffed up, I was given this thorn in the flesh to keep me in line. And you see, we want God to do this, do this, but the character and nature of God being holy should influence the things that happen in our lives. And God is going to answer prayer and speak to us, but it's going to be about our character. And we don't recognize that who we are plays an important part in this relationship and how God responds to us. It's not that we have to meet certain things and do these things, otherwise God won't give it to us. It's that who God is is going to influence us. It's going to have an impact on our lives because of his nature. He is holy. And so when you go before your father who is holy, Think about how that affects what you ask and what he wants to give, what his desires are for us. My relationship with my wife affects the things that I do. My wife is allergic to fish, especially those fish sticks those kind of breaded fish. If she eats those things, she gets a lip like mine. It swells up. <laughs> Which I thought was a plus. <laughs> but because of this reaction, I don't take her out to eat fish. It, it affects what we do. I mean, she will go places and I can have fish, but she won't eat it. Because she's allergic to it. And so I am aware of those things and it affects our relationship. Went to a wedding one time and they had some dessert and there was some little fish in there and she's like, uh-oh. And sure enough, you know, her lips started puffing up. It's free, honey. I thought I'd just share that with everybody. <laughs> so nice to be able to share other people's stories. Ah. But you see, God is holy, and his holiness is to have an influence on us. It is to affect that relationship. He is to speak into our lives and change us because he's holy. The relationship influences us. And so when Jesus is talking about this, how to pray, he starts with the relationship, he starts with the character of God, and it is to have an influence in our lives. 
And then the next thing he says is, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God has a will. God is at work. God is doing things. We need to be aware that he has plans. And he's talking about this huge thing that God is doing. God is involved and at work in human history. And if you want to get a yes, it's not about getting God on board with your plans. It's about getting on board with his. You see, God is moving through human history. He has a will. And if you want to get a yes in your prayer, then the best thing to do is side up with God and his will and what he is doing. Remember Joshua, when he was going before Jericho, and there the angel of the Lord stood, and Joshua saw him there, and he said, are you for us or our adversary? And the angel said, no, I'm for the Lord of hosts. I don't get on your side. You need to get on my side. And you see, God is at work, and we need to recognize that work is taking place, be aware of that work, and be a part of that work. And so once again, we see prayer is not a matter of I'm going to get God to do what I want. God is already doing something, and we are to find out what that is. Your kingdom come, your will be done. If I want God's will to be done, it's saying I want to be a part of what you are doing. And if you want to get a yes in your prayer, then be a part of what God is doing. Get involved with what God is doing, how he is moving, and what he is moving in and you will be amazed at how God answers prayer. I don't know how many times for myself and others that I've heard who have been serving, perhaps going out on a mission field or doing some kind of work, and God does miraculous things. He shows up. He answers prayer in just tremendous ways, beautiful things. I know uh, recently I heard about a young man who's there at the trailer home, James, who wanted a Bible because he can't see well. He wanted something with large print. And he was just talking with Lisa Marie down there and says, yeah, I need to get a Bible with large print, something that I could read. And when he was the next day going out and collecting bottles and cans to, to turn in, there up on the wall near a trash can was a Bible. He picks it up, opened it up, and it was a large print Bible. And it's like, Cool. And God is at work in a lot of things, but it's a lot of times places where he's already working. And so you go on a mission field, and all of a sudden, God ministers to the people who are there, and he ministers to you. Why? Because it's something that God is doing, and now you're involved with it, and you see God answer prayers. You see things happen. It happens so many times in different areas in the mission field. I remember in Wales in 2005, that trip was just loaded with coincidences. Because God was working there and we were just tagging along and we got to see those things taking place. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He is ushering in his kingdom and if we will be a part of that work, we will be a part of the things that are happening. And the prayer will then be alive and powerful and active. George Mueller was serving little kids and he had... 23,000 orphans through that ministry. 23,000. 
God provided for them. Never had to ask for money because God supplied his need. Well, God was at work and he tagged along and God worked in and through him because that's what God was doing. And so if you want a prayer life that is active and powerful, that gets the yes, then get involved with what God is doing. Because he has a will, he is at work, he is doing things, and we get to be a part of it. We get to tag along, so to speak, with what he's doing. And a lot of times... It might not be something that I want. You know, I I didn't want to go there, or I didn't want to do this, but it's something that wants me. And instead of prayer being something that I want, maybe it's God wanting me to be a part of something that he is doing. And I could tell you so many stories of how I felt God nudging me to be a part of something and to do something that he was a part of, and I didn't listen. And I would see later on that, oh, I should have done that. God was moving me to make that phone call. God was moving me to step in and be involved with this, but I didn't do it. But I'd rather not talk about those. I'd rather talk about the good ones. The times where God ministered to me, to me through a study and told me to, to step out into starting a work. And that's essentially how Genesis got started. How God would prompt my heart through a situation and I would say, God, are, are you asking me to be involved with this or with this person's life? Because really, I'd, I'd rather go home and, and be comfortable, and I'd rather watch TV or, or whatever it is. I, I, I would like to do this, and God is saying, I want you to be a part of this. My kingdom is coming. My will will be done on this earth like it is in heaven, and I want you to be a part of it. And so many times it's a matter of, well, it's not what I want but it's what wants me. It's the purpose of God that is calling me to be involved with what he is doing. And it's not always easy, but it's powerful. It's powerful. See, I think the reason George Mueller got a yes is because he first said yes to God. And it's easy for God to say yes when you've already said yes to him. I love the Proverbs that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We all want the desires of our heart, but it's conditional. You need to first delight in the Lord. He then moves on from the big picture, the kingdom of God, which is huge, something that is vast, something that is hard to to fully grasp our minds around. He goes from the kingdom of God being accomplished here on earth to something small and personal. Give us today our daily bread. 
God doesn't just care about the big things. He cares about the little things. He cares about you. He cares about your needs. He cares about what's taking place within your own heart. You know how you'll have relationships, friendships, and they start off usually pretty superficial. You'll talk about sports. Did you guys see the Laker game the other day? You know, it'll talk about something like that. Kobe's three-pointer, you know, with 3.2 seconds left when they were down by two and winning the game and turning the whole game around. And you, you have this dialogue, and it's like, yeah, yeah, talking about these things. But then as you get to know someone a little bit more, you find, hey, how's your family? How's your kids? What's going on in this situation? Because you get to know them a little bit more personally. And as time goes on even more, the... The conversation gets deeper, gets more personal, and you might even say, hey, how are you doing? What's happening with you? And and you ever meet people that want to jump into the personal conversation right away? You know, they want to just come right into your life and say, okay, what's going on? You're like, whoa, a little too close, too fast. You know, I don't know you, buddy. I don't think I want to talk about the personal things in my life when let's talk about the Lakers, you know, first, and then we'll get to that place. Well, God, in a sense, he talks about these big things, the kingdom of God come, his will be done, but then he gets to the place where he goes, now what do you need? Because, again, it's about the relationship. Lord, I need my daily bread. And you see, this conversation is a daily thing. He doesn't say, God, give me bread for a week. He says, come to me today. Remember the children of Israel, when they're wandering through the wilderness, God provided manna, but he would only provide it every day. Except for the Sabbath, it would last for that day as well. But they had to come to him every day to get what they needed. Prayer is about a dependency on God for the very things that we need. I am dependent on you for everything. Not just the problems, but for the essentials of my life. You see, when Paul said to pray without ceasing, it wasn't some kind of, you know, well, I'm just talking, it's an illustrative. It was a reality. You should be praying constantly. Well, how do you pray constantly? I I need to sit. No, you're in conversation with God constantly about the things in your life. I love how Jesus is presenting this because I am so not a person who can set time aside and just do things. I I talk to God when I drive. It's my easiest time to pray. If I get alone and quiet and it's too quiet, my mind goes everywhere. I need to fix the rain gutters. I want something to drink. What's that noise? And, and the last thing I'm doing is talking to God. I'm, I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to focus on you. What's that? Oh, I need to do that. Where's my wallet? Does my wife have my coffee card? <laughs> I'm serious. If I sit still, boom, boom, I, I'm... And so I am to have a daily response to God that is continually... Like I'm pouring out my life, my heart, my needs to God... Constantly praying without ceasing is a relationship recognizing that I've got Jesus sitting in the car driving with me. And I can say, God, I'm worried about my kids. God, I'm concerned about our bills. God, I'm 
I'm thinking about the church and what we need to do. I, I, I need to hear from you. And it's a constant thing. It doesn't leave my mind. It doesn't leave my relationship. It doesn't happen on Sunday mornings. It doesn't happen just at 5 in the morning. It happens constantly throughout the day. I am in dialogue with my Father. If we want prayer that is going to be powerful, it begins with the relationship. It begins with recognizing the holiness of God, recognizing that He is at work within this world, wanting to be a part of that work and allowing him to be a part of every aspect of our lives. The details in every nook and cranny, allowing him to speak into those areas of your life where no one else knows. And I might say, God, I would like to see this take place. And he'd say, well, you know what first needs to take place? You need to get rid of this. You need to clean that up. You need to, you need to love your wife. You need to show compassion to your kids and allow that dialogue to be a part of our lives and speak into our lives as well. And then he goes on and he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think this is very central Forgive us our debts has the idea of recognition of where we really are. That we are humbled because of our condition. We're not proud. Jesus gave the illustration of the Pharisee and the tax collector both at the temple. The Pharisee said, I'm, thank God that I'm not like this guy. I pray twice a day. I do these things that are right. The tax collector wouldn't even look up, beat his breast, and he said, forgive me, a sinner. And Jesus said, he went away justified. His prayers were heard. Why? Because he was humble, because he was asking for forgiveness, because he was broken. And this is the heart that God is looking to move into. This is the heart where God can entrust what he has to give. It is a heart that is humble. It is a heart that is full of grace. If you want to see God work within your life, then be gracious to others. Be a person of grace and God will give to you because all you are giving out is grace. But if you're a person of pride... God resists the proud. And so this recognition needs to be a part of our life. Forgive us our debts, just like we're going to forgive those who have hurt us. And it's interesting, because in Mark's gospel, when Mark talks about Jesus saying, if you would say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, it would be done for you. Right after he says that, he talks about forgiveness and reconciliation. What do those have to do with each other? A lot. A whole lot. How we deal with each other shows whether God can give to us. When you want to 
disperse something. Again, when you have more than one kid, this is something that you, if you only have one kid, it's not the same. When you have more than one kid, all of a sudden, there's a whole other dynamic in the mix. Now you have competition. Now you have, you know, things that can take place that doesn't take place with one kid. I understand. You still have a kid, but it's just not the same. If you entrust something to your children, okay, guys, here, give this to your brothers and sisters. Depending on the kid, that can become a fight or it can become a good thing. A lot of kids will, you know, I'll give you this one. It's a little bit broken. I'll give you this one. You know, it's not as good as this one. We used to have a cereal bowl. It had the ABCs written across, and everyone wanted the ABC cereal bowl. I don't know why we didn't just throw the thing away. There were so many fights every morning about who would get the ABC cereal bowl. Just throw it out. Get a bunch of plastic ones, you know. Just, so they're all the same. Uniformity. That's what we need. But if we'd say, okay, hand out the bowls, guess who would get the ABC bowl? The one who was handing out the bowl. Okay, here's your bowl. Here's the bowl. How come you get the ABC bowl? Because I'm handing them out. You see, if God is going to give to us, are we going to be gracious and give to others? Or are we going to keep the ABC bowl for ourselves? It's just about what we want. And you see, this is how we are to pray. This is how our prayers are to be formed and shaped and directed. We are to have a relationship that is essential with God that is the most important thing. We are to recognize that God is holy and his holiness is going to influence us in the character that we have. We're going to recognize that God is at work. His kingdom is coming. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are to align ourselves with what he is doing, be a part of what he is working in. We are to ask him for the things that we need that are daily, the things that are for substance. And we are to be gracious towards others and ask for his deliverance because without him, we would fall. Jesus, teach us to pray. And this is what he said. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Let's pray. Father, it is so important that we pray, but we have made it so much less than what it really is. We can make it an obligation instead of 
our relationship. We can make it something that we need to do instead of a conversation that we get to have with you. And Lord, I believe that prayer can change the history of our world. That prayer can move and do things that people could not imagine. Because you are moving and doing things. And if we would get on board with what you are doing, oh God, what could you do with us? What could you do through us? Lord, I do pray that you would help us to be people who, who do pray. Not in the mornings, not just in the evenings, not just on the first Monday of the month. But who are in constant dialogue with you, who are constantly being transformed by you, conformed into your image, changed because of you being moved by you to do the things that you are doing. To be people who are dependent on you for every day's needs. To be people who are gracious, who are giving, who are forgiving. Lord, we recognize without you, we can do nothing. But in you, we can do all things if you would but strengthen us. Father, may we have this relationship with you. Lord, may we see you work because we are a part of your work. And forgive us, God, for being so self-centered of praying just for what we want, what we think is best, and not listening to your voice speak into our lives, wanting first to change us. Father, I think a lot of times the reason we don't get answers to our prayers is because you say, no way can I give you that. I just can't do that in your Lord, help us to be people that you could entrust with your grace, your goodness, your gifts, your mercy, your power. Help us to be people that are gracious and giving and changed because of our presence in yours. Lord, thank you for this time. Enrich our hearts and may we learn to pray. I ask this in Jesus' name.